Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into here on a Monday, so let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? Doing good. I mean, wow, what a night we had last night in terms of sweat day, I guess you could say. Yeah. It felt like all day sports are off. It was like nonstop. One game ended, the other started. One game ended, the other started. You know what? I mean, people really do believe, uh, you know, a lot of football heads out there believe that, that the divisional weekend is their favorite weekend of the football season because, you know, now as we go into conference championship Sunday, it's one day, two games. Obviously, Super Bowl Sunday is one day, one game. But divisional uh, playoffs, as you uh, said, you know, back-to-back games Saturday, back-to-back games Sunday. The significance of, of them is is huge. Obviously, you win, you go to the conference championship game. So let's... um. Let's go through the games. Let's, let's, uh, let's start off. Um, let's see. Well, where should we, you know, let's, let's start off with San Francisco Green Bay because that was the game that we were both focused on. Um, we were uh, texting during the game in terms of saying, like, I don't know if I've seen a team outplay another team and lose at the end of the day. Uh, and by the way, credit to San Francisco at, at like, like as well as Green Bay played, you do have to go in there and, and take that game and win that game. And Matt LaFleur, um, you know, had, had talked about, you know, kind of not having a hundred percent confidence in his kicker, how he basically says a prayer every time he goes out there. I mean, totally changed the complexion of the game when the, when the kicker misses the field goal there. Uh, Grant, Green Bay and San Francisco, your thoughts on that? And, and I do want to bring this up, like, Kudos to Green Bay. I mean, they go they go into the playoffs as the seven seed. Uh, were the underdogs going into Dallas to play the Cowboys? They absolutely blew them out. They're up by 27, 20, 27 zero, uh, totally dominated them. And again, when you just were watching the game, it felt like they were dominating San Francisco, but not in the scoreboard. Your thoughts on the game? It, it just felt like Green Bay controlled that game from the opening kickoff. I mean, they, they elected to receive again, you know, after they did it against Dallas in Dallas. And they elected to receive, and they went down and scored a field goal. They could have got a touchdown. And from that point on, I mean, I know that it was a close game at the half. 
Um, it just felt like Brock Purdy was off all day. And I know he had that excellent drive at the end of the game. And that's kind of what everyone's talking about now because he kind of saved his, I guess, reputation or legacy is not a thing because he's only a second year guy, but he kind of saved his skin there with that, that last drive. And I got to give him credit on that last drive. He was very good. But if I'm looking at the Niners, a team that was a one seed. They had three weeks off, essentially. They were without Debo Samuel because he was out with, I guess it was a shoulder injury uh, that happened very early. Yeah. Um, and that Niners team just did not seem like that same San Francisco team that we saw throughout the course of the year, which was dominant offense, excellent defense. Jordan Love had his way in that first half, and then in the second half, I guess the Niners just adjusted a little bit. Jordan Love was off in that second half, and the, yeah. you know the Niners, they just found a way to just hang around a little bit. There were times where Green Bay could have went up two scores and they just didn't. The Niners got a few stops late. Um, and of course, that, that, that field goal that Anders Carlson missed was just so crucial. That would have put them up seven. And even if, you know, the Niners scored, which they did on that CMC touchdown, it still would have only tied the game. Now Green Bay has to come back and it's kind of crazy. You look at Jordan Love and you say, oh man, he, he, he played so well throughout three quarters. You know, he put them in a position to win. But it was ultimately him that cost him the game. I mean, he looked exactly, it was crazy. There's a clip going around social media of him throwing the ball across the field, across, you know, this is something that they teach quarterbacks yeah. not to do. And he did the exact same thing that Brett Favre did in 2009 against the Saints. And I don't know if that's good for the Packers because maybe <laughs> that'll tell you that maybe Jordan Love is going to turn into Brett Favre, uh, or if it's a bad thing because, uh, it cost them the game. But man, what a, a run for the Packers. I mean, if you're a Packers fan, even though the, the loss is so devastating, it's such a great thing to see them and see what kind of core they can bring back next year. I mean, Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Jordan Love, Aaron Jones was excellent through those first two games. And if you're the Niners, you're playing a Detroit Lions team, which we'll get to in a little bit. You're playing a Lions team that is gritty. They have their stride. They have the, the fan base behind them, kind of America. They're kind of like America's new team right now. And for the Niners, it's so tough to get a handle on this. I guess if, if you're a Niner fan, you're very happy that you escaped with a win. But if you're looking at an outlook of this, you can't be too confident, right? I mean, you, you had your quarterback not play that well. The defense was a little bit shaky. They found a little bit of holes. And I know the Lions are going to look at film now yeah i mean I, I think the big thing for them is debo samuel and in yeah. a will he play and b how effective will he be when he plays you know my my guess is certainly is he he's going to go out there because we're talking about a conference championship situation right. you know perhaps if this is a regular season maybe he's out for a couple of mm -hmm. weeks but i mean as you know grant it totally changes the complexion of the game it, it changes the complexion of the game if he's if he suits up and he's not himself, I mean, what makes Debo Debo, and you know this, uh, you know, um, following the Rams is just, he's impossible to tackle. He, oh, yeah. So, you know, so, um, how big of a key, and I think I know the answer to this, but if you can kind of expand on this, Debo Samuel, if he is not available or if he is not himself, if, if he suits up and he's, you know, 60% healthy, um, how does that change the game? You know, I think just having him out there is such a 
thing to have, even if you use him as a decoy. I mean, we kind of saw that with, I'm going to go back to the Rams, what we saw with Cooper Cup kind of being a decoy for Puka Nakua and vice versa. That's kind of what the Niners can use him as. I mean, even if he's 30, 40%, if you have him run routes and kind of distort things, get things open for Kittle and Ayuk and Jawan Jennings filled in very well for him uh, in his absence. I got to say that too. Even if you have him play half of the snaps, that is a huge win for the Niners. They got to have him in this game because I'm going to point back to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy without Trent Williams in the three-game losing streak that they had, they didn't have Debo either. And Brock Purdy without Debo, and that team without Debo is something... That's like if you're taking away one of the the Ravens' best players or one of the Lions' best players. It's going to hurt them. But even if you have them out out there in any capacity, I'm going to go to the the Lions. They had Sam Laporta out there. He wasn't 100%, but just having him out there was so crucial to that win against the Rams and and against the Bucks. So, uh, yeah, he's huge to that team. Just his motion in the backfield, the way he can get open, they can use him in runs, sweeps, routes, it doesn't matter. So having him out there is very, very crucial for a Niners team that it looked like they did need him for a lot of the game there. I thought the games on Saturday were more about young teams, young quarterbacks, uh, you know, giving us a glimpse into the future. So again, we'll, we'll talk more mm-hmm. about San Francisco shortly when we uh, break down the uh, championship game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But CJ Stroud, again, I mean, you're talking about a quarterback who, you know, a year ago is in college, Heisman Trophy finalist, you know, the second pick in the draft, going to, you know, obviously a bad Texans team, first year head coach. I mean, for them to be in the divisional round, A, for them to have a blowout win in the playoffs a week ago, but then, um, you know, really, that was a tie game, basically, going into the fourth quarter or late in the third, 10-10. Uh, and then what happened was the best team in football right now, to, to my view, just took it to that next level. And, you know, again, the final score was not indicative of how close that game right. was. Before we talk about the Ravens, the, the season C.J. Stroud had and your future amount look for Houston. Yeah, for Houston, I mean, it was such a tough environment to go into and play in Baltimore just to begin. And then for them to have a defensive effort to stop a Ravens offense that is really good um, throughout, I guess, two and two and a half quarters, um, that's something special. And that's what, you know, it goes to show like what coaching does. D'Amico Ryan's had that defense ready. And I know that, you know, that that's what happens when you get young teams. Like you said, there's a lot of young teams that just would falter immediately. And they took, that's a, that's a very hostile. Baltimore environment and for CJ Stroud to go in there and play very well he did not turn the ball over he was very good um, you know behind the you know when there was pressure coming out of him I kind of noticed this he just knew what to do with the ball and I'm going to chalk it up to maybe his time at Ohio State because he was in a lot of high leverage games and when you're in those high leverage games in college with crowds that are similar to NFL crowds maybe even more rowdy than NFL crowds it prepares you for times like this and for CJ Stroud and the Texans to go into into Baltimore. Look, I didn't expect them to win. Um, you know, Baltimore pulled away late just because they have a, an elite offense, a dynamic offense, and their defense is number one for a reason. Um, for them to go in there and even put up a fight through two and a half quarters, you should be very proud if you're a Texans fan and hold your head high because 
They have Stroud coming back. Yeah. They're probably going to get Tank Dell back at the early season. They have Nico Collins, who went off in the first game. Um, they have D'Amico Ryan still, and I know that their offensive coordinator may be getting jobs elsewhere, but if he stays put, this Texans team can be a contender. They do have cap space as well, just like the Rams. So yeah. um, the Texans, great, great season, amazing season, exceeded everyone's expectations. And for them to go into Baltimore and put up a fight, that just shows what D'Amico Ryan's can do and what a culture change can do to a team. We've really seen Baltimore take it to the other teams that we, we consider championship contending teams. The one that I really go back to is San Francisco, uh, because we have felt for the majority of the season that these might be the best two teams and Baltimore took it to them. Not only just, uh, you know, that, that would be something, but to go to Santa Clara and do what they uh, do there. When you saw A, them this season, but also B, what they did to Houston, especially in the fourth quarter, do you believe right now they are the best team left? I do, I do. And you know what, it's it's crazy, I was going to make this correlation, is that I was expecting the Niners to have that kind of second-half surge that the Ravens did. You know, I was yeah. I was just waiting for that Niners number one seed surge that the Ravens gave, and it was just never there. And, you know, the Niners and Ravens was my preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl anyways. Um, but I just think that the Ravens edge out. I, for me, it was the Niners as the best football team for a long time. Uh, now, seeing that first playoff game, the Niners were at home and in a rainy environment. The Ravens were in a very cold environment with a lot of bad conditions, and they took care of business. And that, to me, just speaks more volumes to, to what kind of team they have. They barely even used Odell Beckham Jr. They had a few, They even had you know Dalvin Cook, who just signed a few weeks ago, have a few big runs late. Um, Lamar Jackson looked determined. He was getting on guys. He looks very hungry to get back to, to get to the Super Bowl and, and prove himself in the league. I mean, he already has an MVP. He's probably going to get two, but he just looks like he wants to win that ring and for me I think the Ravens with their defense if their offense can play the way they did in the second half for a whole game I mean that is scary and they're, they're going to play a Chiefs team that is also look they've done it before and you know they went into Buffalo and, and got a win in a game that I did not see the Chiefs winning and they, they just did it so I think the Ravens yes they I think they are the best team remaining out of the four It'll be very curious to see if Baltimore wins, what the line will be. And again, by the way, it's, yeah. no, it's no gimme, by the way, that Baltimore is going to win because we'll get into this shortly. They're going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and mm. uh, the Chiefs have been there before. But this is why it'll be interesting what the line is, because Baltimore was leading uh, San Francisco 33-12 to late in the fourth quarter. They got... Uh, uh, you know, a late touchdown. So the final score in Santa Clara, but Baltimore beat San Francisco 33 to 19. And here's the other thing. And by the way, they, they had a very tough schedule this season. They've also played Detroit. And to remind people mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, if they did not know what the score of that game was, uh, they beat up on the Detroit Lions. And again, Detroit's had an amazing season, historic season, 38 to 6. That was another one, by the way, uh, that Detroit scored late. So, I mean, they have smoked the two teams that they could potentially be facing in the Super Bowl. But again, big difference, of course, between uh, playing a team in the regular season and playing a team in the Super Bowl. Uh, Really quick, one last thing on Baltimore. Great to see Jim Harbaugh there. We'll see where where that lands again Jim Harbaugh's talked to uh the Chargers a couple of times I mean that is sort of where he's rumored to go but uh your thoughts on uh Jim Harbaugh there I mean it seems like 
it's trending in that direction. Yeah, I, I don't think that the Falcons have, I mean, they, everyone's saying, oh, well, watch out for Atlanta. I think Atlanta's set on Bill Belichick, so yeah. I think that just leaves the Chargers. You know, I don't think the Seahawks are a possibility at this point. I think that Jim Harbaugh wants to go to a system like the Chargers that have a quarterback already in place. They have the ability to get stars. They're in a big market. Um, I just think it's good for him, and I think that, you know, even Troy Aikman mentioned it on the broadcast. It just seems like he's trending towards going to that. We, we kind of need Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL. I think him being back in the NFL having that name, you know, you can schedule a Chargers Ravens game if you'd like to. Jim against John next year. Maybe if the Ravens win a title, you can have the defending champions against his brother. You know, there's a bunch of storylines that you can say about it. And I just think that, you know, for Jim, I, I think that the Chargers is the best move. Um going back to Michigan, he already did his stuff in Michigan. He won a title for them. Yeah. He revitalized that program. Um so for Jim, yeah, I, I think that going to the Chargers is probably like I, I think it's probably gonna happen. All right. Our uh uh, you know, favorite quarterback still left in the uh, postseason. Jared Goff <laughs> looked uh, great. By the way, I, I guess I should say two of your favorite quarterbacks who are still left. Oh, Baker yeah. Mayfield, by the way, totally proving himself as a starting quarterback in this league. Still young enough where uh, what he went through a year ago, and by the way, it was just a year ago, a grand. I mean, like, I remember us mm-hmm. talking about it on the show where he was out of a job. Sean McVay takes a flyer on him in a five and twelve season, where it's like, hey, you, you, and and he really did prove himself, and uh, you know leads Tampa Bay to a divisional uh, championship, a a division championship, winning a uh, uh, a postseason game a week ago against the team that made it to the Super Bowl and started the season ten and one, and then going to Detroit, and that was a neck and neck. It was a fantastic game. Uh, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, that game, again, it was just such a fight. It feels like every Lions game is going to be like this from here on yeah. out. Um, and I hope that the game next week with, with the Niners is going to be the same way. But Baker Mayfield, I mean, what can you say? I mean, he balled out. I know he had that late interception, but it was because of him that they even got yeah. there. I mean, that, what a gritty performance by him. He, the other interception he had was just a tip drill that should have been caught, so I'm not really going to chalk that up. He made excellent throws. He escaped some pressure. There were some broken coverages that he navigated to. Um, I, I'm just, I'm so happy for Baker because it kind of showed the world on a national stage that he still has what it takes. Arash, you and I both knew it when we saw him play for the Rams in those five games last year, that he still had something yeah. left. He still had that drive. He was making good throws. And I know it was on a bad Rams team, but I just saw it in him. And for him to get a small contract that he's probably going to turn into a bigger contract now, yeah. I'm just so happy for him. And I know that he's still going to be a very solid quarterback in this league. And for the Buccaneers, you should probably give him a bigger deal. I mean, this is a, a team that a lot of people thought would be in the lottery. And here they are. Um, you know, they they won a playoff game against an Eagles team that a lot of people had going to the Super Bowl. So great for them. For the Lions, I mean, Jared Goff, what else can you say about him? I mean, he looks like he did in 2018 on that Rams Super Bowl run. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is just an elite receiver. They have all the weapons on both sides. Uh, Brian Branch, uh, Aiden Hutchinson did his thing. Um, they did, you know, even their center suffered a knee injury, Ragnow, and he came back in and played on that knee injury. That just goes to show that grit and that team. Um, Dan Campbell was emotional after the game, rightfully so. That crowd in Detroit showed up and showed out in the postseason. And I know they're going to travel to San Francisco. I know that yeah, those yeah. fans are going to buy tickets to that game in San Francisco. So 
much credit to the Buccaneers, but man, these Lions, they look dangerous. You know what? Uh, and then let's, let's, uh, now wrap up, uh, real quickly with the Chiefs and Bills game. Real quick, Patrick Mahomes, by the way, as the starting quarterback, made it into the championship game, lost in overtime, won the Super Bowl, then lost the Super Bowl, then made it to the AFC championship game and lost in overtime, won the Super Bowl, now back again. Here's my takeaway is that, uh, listen, he's either going to go back to the Super Bowl or lose in overtime. Again, uh, your thoughts on the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, the Chiefs, it's like, the, it's like the cockroach that just, you cannot kill. It's just something about them. I always chalk it up to them and the Warriors being the same way. Yeah. It's like him and Steph Curry, I just can't get rid of them. The Chiefs, I mean, we, you know, me and Brandon said this on our pod is that, Kelsey has good games. Yeah. They are very dangerous. And Kelsey had two touchdowns and they won the game. And the Bills, so many questionable decisions. I just, I can't believe some of the decisions down the stretch. The missed field goal, wide right again, Arash. Wide Terrible. right. That's two words. Um, but for the Chiefs, they're going to be dangerous against Baltimore. It's just, it is what it is. The Chiefs are just going to be competitive, whether on the road, at home, it doesn't matter. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes just know how to win games in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, when you talk, when the, when that kick went, went, wide right i'm like these poor fans scott norwood you know yeah. this this was um you know this was a season where they had a legitimate chance to go to the super bowl and i kept thinking you know how cool if you know how cool would it have been if it was you know detroit and buffalo in mm-hmm. the super bowl uh but no, no matter I, when you see the chiefs do what they've done during this run and by the way jason kelsey love the fact that he's like <laughs> Whether he wanted to be like a really good brother and say, listen, I know there's a lot of attention on Taylor Swift in these suites. I'm going to take my shirt off. I'm going to go in the (laughs) crowd. I'm going to be chugging beers. Like he did like everything to steal the spotlight from Taylor Swift in a beautiful way. In a, I'm going to be a great brother and just kind of retired life. It's that retired life. life. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will preview conference championship Sunday. And also talking about the Lakers and Clippers having a double header yesterday at uh, Crypto.com Arena. We'll talk about that when we come back right here on the Mighty 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii. Call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, Grant, we were uh, breaking down the divisional round, and then now let's get into Conference Championship Sunday coming up here. 
listen, I, I think these are the best four teams. Um, you know, would not have been, had a problem with like can upset the uh, team being there. You know, if uh, you know if Tampa Bay had won or Green Bay had won, if you know. But listen, these are the four best teams. Uh, your preseason pick is not only still alive; they are the favorites. But I uh, do want you to break down um, these two games. Okay, let's start with Baltimore and Kansas City. Now, listen, Baltimore, and we touched on it in the first segment, they're the best team in football. They have been all year. Uh, they are my pick to win this game. They are my pick to win this rule. That being said, uh, it's not going to be easy. I just mentioned to you since Patrick Mahomes has been a starter, he has either gone to the Super Bowl or lost the championship game in overtime. He's never lost the championship game in regulation. So he's He's been in this game every year since 2018. And that, just to give you an idea how long ago that was, I mean, great. Remember that game of the century, regular season game, Chiefs Rams, and we yes. were praying we were going to get that rematch, and the Rams made it, and the Chiefs almost made it. Um, since, since then, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have been in the conference championship game every single season. Again, they either win that game, or they lose in overtime. So if if Baltimore wins, it may have to be past regulation. Uh, Grant, your thoughts on this one? Oh, this is going to be such a good matchup. Um, two defenses, and I know the Chiefs' defense got a little bit banged up um, in the game against the Bills, um, but two defenses that are just really good. This is probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had in that stretch. Um, and you go back to those two losses that he did have, it was the AFC Championship against Tom Brady, and it was the Super Bowl against yeah. Tom Brady. So those are the only he was the only guy that could beat Patrick Mahomes, yeah. um, and now Tom Brady's out of the league. So this is kind of, you know, <laughs> It really paints a picture. Uh, in terms of, you know, this, this quarterback matchup, what a firepower that we have here, um, with Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I know it's going to be cold and that really doesn't even matter to the Chiefs and it doesn't even matter to any of these teams that are still remaining in any of these games. Um, just because it, this is what it's going to have to be at this point with the weather. So I think that the ground game, Isaiah Pacheco is going to have to get going against that very vaunted Ravens defense, that run game. Um, I expect the Chiefs to come out with a good passing game just because the run game is very hard to do against the Ravens defense. Um, you know, I, I know that Kelsey got going, but I just know that Ron Smith and that Ravens defense, Patrick Queen, they're going to have something cooked up for this for this Chiefs offense. And like I said in the in the previous segment, this Ravens team just looks hungry. They look like they want to get to the Super Bowl, and I expect them to. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. Uh, I just think Lamar Jackson, he had a little bit of a, a buy kind of uh, you know, by hangover, I guess, in that first half against Houston. And then you saw the full firepower of that Baltimore offense where they were just going dynamic with a half run game, half Lamar Jackson passing threat. Lamar Jackson even stood in the pocket more than I thought that he would. And he can use his legs against a, a Chiefs front that is a little bit banged up right now. Um, I think that the Ravens are going to go ahead and win this game and go to the Super Bowl. Like I said, I have Ravens Niners, but I just think that the Ravens finally are going to get Patrick Mahomes. I think, that, you know, they're at home the, the crowd is going to be great this is the ravens first afc championship game and i don't know how long yeah. um, at home uh so i think they're going to have the energy uh, it's i looked at the weather and the weather's really not even going to be that bad on sunday in baltimore um it is going to be raining in the morning but i don't know about the afternoon so um the run game for for the ravens should be working well and i expect the ravens to come out with a win 
By the way, I, uh, we've, we've talked about it a few times on the show, how great of a season this was for, for the Rams, where, you know, a season that we didn't really expect for them to have. It, it, it's amazing that a couple of the highlights were, were not wins. And when I say that, you know, looking back on the, the way that Baltimore dominated Detroit, they've dominated San Francisco, they've been the best team this year. The Rams went into Baltimore this season, as you well know, and I hate to bring this up, but like, you know, they, 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 they were leading 28 to 23 with less than one minute and a half left in that game. Goes into overtime, uh, and then they couldn't close it out. But I mean, it just, these are the moments, you know, when you talk about like losing late to San Francisco, losing mm-hmm. late to Baltimore, where I'm like, you know, what this season could have been. And again, kudos to, to Detroit because that has right. been such an amazing story. But I keep going back to, man, I'm really excited for what the Rams could potentially do next season. Um, all right, let's switch gears now to the, uh, to the NFC championship game, Detroit and San Francisco in Santa Clara. Uh, so here's the thing about this one. Both of the teams here are, are the two teams we probably expected to make it. Um, however, they both struggled or they, 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 they didn't look great, particularly, uh, in the divisional round. Um, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I think though, um, we'll break it down, uh, for me, Grant, the Lions and the 49ers. Yeah, this scheme is going to be another one where it's just one in the trenches, I believe. Um, the, the Lions have an excellent run defense. They're top five in run defense. And they, that's kind of one of the reasons they beat the Rams is because they were able to kind of stop Kyron Williams a little bit. Um, and even Rashad White in that game against the Buccaneers. Um, they're going to have to go up against Christian McCaffrey now, though. And I don't know what it is with Christian McCaffrey, but it looked like he, he injured his thigh or they're working on his thigh every possession when they came off the field. I don't know if that's something to look for, but he still looked pretty good um for for the lions i think the passing is what you're gonna have to look for i mean i know they have an excellent run game with montgomery and gibbs but for the lions they they can pass on this niners defense that's what jordan love did in that first half and, and through kind of the half of the third quarter is they they found loopholes in the secondary of that niners team and that's if you're going to attack the niners defense they have fred warner across the middle you're not going to get much there they have an excellent front which really didn't get a lot of pressure on jordan love um if you're going to attack the niners it's going to be through the air and it's going to be through the secondary um and for a lions team that right now jared goff looks like he did again i'm gonna say it in 2018 and that super bowl run where he was pinpoint mm-hmm. that's a team that can give the niners problems and i i know that the niners defense is some is one that is really really good i know that you know they have an excellent defense and it, you know for whatever reason it is they gave up some some pretty big chunk plays i think the lions can go in there and put up a fight i'm going to give the Niners the nod like I did against the Packers. Um, I, I think the Lions can go in there and maybe steal a win. Now, if you're, if I'm looking at it from the Niners side, Brock Purdy, he kind of, you know, he felt it out. I think that was a feel out game for him where it's yeah. like, if you were going to catch the Niners and if you were going to eliminate them, I think it was that first game because they're coming off a three week stretch where they didn't play. Um, the Packers had all the momentum. Um, if you're going to knock the Niners out, I think it was that first game and they escaped that. That was a game they should not have won. Yeah. And they did. That just kind of shows what kind of team that they are on offense where you can just go to different guys. Debo Samuel is out. Jawan Jennings stepped in and had a great game. They're probably going to have Debo Samuel back again too. So you're going to have another weapon to work with against the Lions. Uh, 
a Lions secondary, like I said about the Niners secondary, which is a little bit iffy. They get a lot of defensive pass interference calls. There's a lot of holdings. They they like to play gritty. They like to play dirty a little bit. So again, this is going to be a game that's, I guess, one through the air. Um, I think that obviously the Niners are going to establish the run with the CMC, but there's going to be a lot a lot of passes in that secondary. We're going to try to expose that 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 safety, that drop safety, and. Man, this is going to be such a. I, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring. Like I thought yeah. that the Packers and Niners game was going to be high scoring, but I think this one's going to stay close and maybe mid twenties, low twenties. This is a game. Look, both coaches. Dan Campbell's kind of a guy that's old school, and Kyle Shanahan's a guy that's new school and modern, kind of like Sean McVay and Matt Lafleur. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, perfect transition here because I I, I want to re- read for you the lines from Vegas. I want to get your thoughts there, uh, just because you had touched on that. The over um, under of the um, NFC Championship game between the Lions and the 49ers, 51. So they think it'll be maybe slightly higher scoring than uh, mm. you do. Uh, 49ers favored by seven. What, what, what would you play there? I don't, I don't, I would take Lions plus money, honestly. Yeah. I don't think that's kind of a high line. Um, yeah. especially, I know that right. the Niners are at home. I, I just, I don't see that. Maybe it'll come down later and, and maybe they're, they're looking at Debo Samuel coming back. That's probably why the line's so high, but man, a, a seven point favorite. I, I know that the Niners won and I know that they're still probably the best team in the NFC re- remaining. They're better than the Lions talent wise, but. Man, the, that Lions front and the way Jared Goff's playing, I I would probably take Lions plus money. I'm not going to take Lions money line, but you know I'd probably take Lions plus seven. That that seems like kind of a gimme at this point. I think it could be like a three to six point game down the stretch. Uh, the other kind of interesting line, and again, these lines will fluctuate as the week progresses. But you touched on Baltimore. The weather won't be a problem. Right. Two of the better, more exciting quarterbacks in the league. The over under forty four and a half. Ravens are favored by three. Uh, does do, do you well like that? I, I do like that. I think that the that Vegas understands that they don't really know what's going to happen either. Yeah. Usually, when you set a line of, of minus three, it could go either way. Um, and I just think that they're having a hard time putting any money against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what it is. Um, and I think that the Ravens will probably cover that. I think they'll go probably over that. I think that the Ravens may pull away to win by ten. Um, I do think that the, the Chiefs will put up a, a game in the first half. The Chiefs may be even leading at the half, but I just think that the Ravens at the halves, they seem to really kick it into gear. And John Harbaugh, it was crazy. John Harbaugh had an interview at the after the half, and they asked him, he said, oh, we'll just play our game. We'll be all right. We'll play yeah. it down. It's just like, no, ho-hum. So uh, I, I like the Ravens' confidence right now. I think they'll win by more than three, though. All right, switching gears now. Uh, you know, we kind of broke down everything with the National Football League. Uh, we had a doubleheader at Crypto.com Arena. Clippers with the 12:30 game, by the way, won't be uh, the case moving forward. When they move to Intuit Dome, thankfully, uh, mm-hmm. won't won't have a lot of these 12 to 30 tip-offs. And then the Lakers and Trailblazers at night. Okay, the Clippers Nets game. By the way, so like it looked like the Nets in the fourth quarter, and you touched on this in your uh, story in the Sporting Tribune that listen, they were up big. I mean, this was a carbon copy in terms of like, we're, we're watching this game in the fourth quarter thinking, how oh, the heck are the Nets up by 18 points? The yeah. difference is the Clippers team has a lot of fight. They have a lot of heart. They came back and as you touched on it, a miraculous comeback because I don't think anyone who watched the Lakers game the previous night thought yeah. this was going to happen. Uh, touch on this. And, and again, 
I know it's the Nets, but when you have a comeback win like that and Russell has a day like that, he's feeling a touch on that game and, and, and why it is significant. Yeah, look, these matinee games, for whatever it is over the past four years with this core, they've just never come out hot. And I, they, the Clippers were down 16 to nothing in the first quarter. They didn't score. You know, they went on, the Nets went on a 16-0 run to open the game. They had more energy, more fight. They're scrapping for rebounds. And the Clippers, I, I mentioned this in our group chats. If this was last year's team or the team before that, this game would be over. The Clippers would have lost this game. But there is just something about this squad, about this Clippers team, that they just scratched and clawed. And it was led by somebody that you probably wouldn't have expected to get them back into the game. It was Terrence Mann. He went on like a 9-0 run by himself to get them back into the game. Kawhi and Paul George didn't even... I think Paul George and Kawhi combined for two or four points in the first half. And like you said, Russell Westbrook, this is why you have him off the bench. If those two aren't going, if you have just lulls, offensive being stagnant, you bring in Russell Westbrook and he's that spark. He's that guy that can get you back into the game with energy. And he was efficient. Him and James, I wrote this in the article, is that they looked like the Houston James Harden and Russell yeah. Westbrook in that 2020 year. They threw it back. I think they combined for 47 points and uh, combined um, great efficiency. Um, they had a triple-double combined. Uh, I know it wasn't individually, but combined. They looked really excellent. And they kept the Clippers in the game. The Clippers went on a 22 to nothing run to end the game. And they were down 18 in the fourth. I, I just, you know, every game I watch this this team, Arash, and I think that, you know, I get PTSD, and I know a lot of Clipper <laughs> fans do, uh, is that every time I watch this team and they're down by 10 or 12, I think, oh, well, you, you better watch this and get, get ready for the next game. They just come back. They fight. They claw. They have so many ways to beat you. Kawhi Leonard was under the weather. I mean, he, you know, Ty Lue mentioned this after the game. He probably was, he wasn't even going to play in this game. That's how sick he was. And throughout three quarters, he had six points. He had 14 points in the fourth and five minutes and he was a plus 20 and he didn't miss from the field. That is the kind of player that the Clippers have on their team in their back pocket. If Paul George doesn't have it, if James Harden doesn't have it, they have that guy to go to. They have that championship type of guy to go to in these lulls and these stretches where you need a bucket. You need a stretch of dominance. That's what we saw. And I know it's the Nets. A lot of people are going to say, well, it was the Nets, of course. Yeah. But the way they did it, this is a the team that wouldn't have done this last year, wouldn't have done it in the, in the year before that. And they did it. That just shows me a lot of pride within this team. They sacrifice a lot. Um, and it, like, like I said, I mean, this is something that I just can't believe when I'm watching it. I just, they're playing at such a high clip that I, you know, I know Clipper fans are going to think this too. It's something bad is bound to happen. Like I just have that in the back of my mind, but. What a team, what a performance um, in a matinee game that they usually lose. When you look at the standings now, Grant, I mean, they're within striking distance of the one seed, which they, they've never had. And again, I, right. I, I covered those uh, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan teams. And what I always told people is like, they're a good team. They're one of the top four teams in the league, maybe top five, whatever. Like, But they, they were never like the one seed. And, and, and I, I don't know. They were not a team generally that that cared about it. But when you talk about doing something that they've never done in franchise history, that's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. They're now two and a half back. Um, again, I'm not saying that that's their goal, but what's, what's the significance in seeding here? Again, right now that they're the fourth, the significance there is that at least they would have home court in the first round. And I know it's their last year at crypto. 
they're 18 and four at home. They do have a home court advantage. How important is it for them to get a one seed or a two seed? Yeah, James Harden mentioned it after the game, and he said it felt like a party in there. He felt like it, it, the energy was on 100, as he said, quotes. Um, and that just goes to show what these Clipper fans feel about this team. Having home court advantage is so crucial. And I think fans right now just understand how good this team is right now, um, how determined they are. And I think that's why people are showing up early at the games. They're going to these tw- – this is a 12-30 game yeah. against the Brooklyn Nets. Like, this shouldn't have been a sellout crowd with – high intensity, but it was. And I just think that the Clippers understand that you need to take the regular season serious. And they mentioned this many times over the off season to take it serious because, you know, like the Lakers are in right now, and this is no dig at the Lakers, but you cannot be clawing for a play in spot and then expect to go on a run late because you're just always in a position to, if you lose a game, if you're in the six, seven, eight range, that it hurts you so much more. So you're playing like playoff intensity type games down the stretch the Clippers wanted to avoid that for the first time in a long time I guess since 2021 when they went to the Western Conference Finals and that's why they're putting so much effort into these regular season games and games that they probably would have folded in years past because they understand how important seeding is Nuggets were the one seed all year last year and they had home court and they used it and they won the title that's what they kept referencing and that's what I'm seeing from this team they're trying to defend their home court and they've mentioned it many times and they're trying to make it pay dividends that when in April there's five six games left they can rest their guys and be healthy going in which is a luxury that they didn't have in years past and finally it's such a great point Grant because right now the Lakers are mired in that play-in tournament and yeah. I think that I mean that they're, 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 they're kind of stuck there by the way so mm-hmm. at least they're the, the the nine seed a week ago they were the 11 seed which makes them not a play-in tournament team uh the Nets game regardless of the record is significant because when you just look at what happened against the Lakers the Lakers had that, they 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 led the Nets in the third quarter yeah. they they were down 23 points to them with <laughs> you know you know no time left you know so um and then so they come back last night they beat Portland just your general thoughts on the Lakers again it was a feel good game last night they beat Portland by 20 some odd points and it's like I don't know what to think about this team Grant I, I really don't <laughs> I'm right there with you because every time I think that I can get back on the Lakers hype train, they go and lose to the Nets and it just makes it, it's such a deflating loss, but then they bounce back and they play very well like they should be all the time against bad teams against the Blazers last night. And I got to give a big shout out because I've been so hard on this guy, D'Angelo Russell. He has been sensational over the past five games, scoring at will, high efficiency, great in the pick and roll, setting players up. Um, and, and I just think that right now you can't really trade D'Angelo Russell. No, Maybe no. if you if you trade him for a very high talent player, but there's really not many of those left. There's not many guys left that are available to be traded. So the Lakers, I'm curious to see how they play against the Clippers. They've had the Clippers yeah. number on Tuesday. They play him. Um, so I'm just I'm gonna keep tabs on it. But right now, D'Angelo Russell is kind of the main guy on offense, and it's crazy to say that, but. This Lakers team, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to put out any statements because they are so inconsistent that I can't really say something for sure. But uh, I got to give a big shout out to D'Angelo. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, it was just great to see D'Angelo have a game like that and mm-hmm. with Austin Reeves on the bench and they had like their like arms around each other. And, but right. this was the dynamic duo that, that I, that we saw during the conference, uh, you know, that, that, that got this team to the conference finals. 
And that I thought, you know, listen, if they have a camp together, they're here this season. It just has not played out that way, uh, Grant. And, and yeah, I mean, again, a play-in tournament team, and we'll see how that plays out. But, again, we'll, we'll have fun previewing the Lakers-Clippers game mm-hmm. this week. And uh, it's going to be a fun week. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.